Alrighty. Well, thank y'all for coming back this evening. We're going to kind of piggyback off of what we talked about this morning. If you don't have a handout, would you just hold your hand up and you'll get a handout? Anybody need one? Eli, you got yours? All right. Well, that's a good thing, a good sign, all right? So a good bit of scripture in that first passage, and so I, I, I didn't load you up too bad tonight, but I want to open up some things and talk about some things this morning. We talked about compassion. We talked about um, enthusiasm, and this one goes right along with that, and it's humility, and we're going to talk about humility, and these are all characteristics that Jesus showed for us when he was here on this earth, and these are important things for us to learn, and we even spent a lot of time uh, studying that, but I just want to open up some things together with you this morning. So the ultimate example of humility is going to be found in this passage of Scripture. So I'm going to be, as we open up this first passage, we're going to look at a couple things. Where is the passage, where in the passage does humility actually begin? And then where does humility begin with us? Those are some things I want us to look at. So we're going to read this scripture together, all right? And then we're going to do a few things and work through it together. So let's look at John chapter 13, and it's 17 verses of scripture, starting with 1 through 17. All right, so let's read it together. Before the Passover festival, Jesus knew that his hour had come to depart from the world to the Father. Having loved his own who were in this world, he loved them to the end, and that's a very important part to know, that Jesus didn't just love them while he was here. He loved them all the way to the end, and that actually means till he returns again, okay? So he loved them to the end. Now when it was time for supper, the devil had already put into his heart the heart of Judas, Simon Iscariot's son, to betray him. Jesus knew that the Father had given everything into his hands that he could had come from God and that he would be going back to God. So he got up from the table, all right? He got up from, the, from supper. That's what the Bible says. He got up from supper, laid aside his outer clothing, took a towel, tied it around himself. Next, he poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet and to dry them with a the towel tied around him. He came to Simon Peter who asked him, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? And Jesus answered him, what I'm doing, you don't realize now, but afterwards you will understand. You will never wash my feet. Goodness, okay. All right, I'm double dipping here. So you will never wash my feet, Peter said. Jesus replied, if I don't wash you, you'll have no part of me. And Simon Peter said to him, Lord, not only wash my feet, but also wash my hands and my head. One who is bathed, Jesus told him, doesn't need to wash anything except his feet, but he's completely clean. You are clean, but not all of you. And he's specifically talking about Judas in that verse of Scripture. For he knew that who would betray him. This is why he said, not all of you are clean. When Jesus had washed their feet and he put on his outer clothing, he reclined again and said to them, Do you know what I have done for you? You call me teacher and Lord, and you are speaking rightly, since that is what I am. So if I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have given you an example that you should do just as I have done for you. And truly, I tell you, a servant is not greater than his master, and a messenger is not greater than the one who sent him. 
If you know these things, you are blessed if you do them. And so, so understanding the word of God and seeing the example that Jesus gave is one thing, but we have to do exactly what he's talking about. And so this is, a, this is what I would list as the ultimate example of humility. This is the ultimate example of the role model of Jesus stepping out of being the king of kings and the lord of lords and stepping into a menial position to show what true humility looks like. So when you look at that passage of scripture, where in the passage does humility begin? Where does it begin in that passage of scripture? When you look at it. Think about it. Where does humility where does Jesus start demonstrating Humility. Where does it actually begin? That's a tough question, isn't it? Boy, you sorted me a curveball today. All right, so what organ in the body have I been preaching steady about for the heart? So look at Jesus' physical heart. That's where humility begins. He saw the need. He's looked into the disciples' hearts. He's looked into their being. He knows what they're, they're discussing. He knows what they're, they're talking about. It starts in his heart. He gets up. In his heart, he, he gets up and he starts this whole ritual of, of showing them what it means. Okay, Humility is a hard word to live out, isn't it? It's hard to be humble, isn't it? It's a hard word to live out. Human instinct tends to want us to lean toward what? Humility or pride? Human instinct. Pride. You know, human instinct tends to want us to be more prideful than it does to be more humble. We want to make sure that we get what we're deserving. We want to get what's coming to us. We want to get what we've earned. It's more about self. That's human instinct. That's not what God teaches. That's not what Jesus is teaching. All right? Look out for number one. Take care of yourself. I need to make sure that I get what I deserve. That's prideful side, and that's human instinct. And that's not what Jesus is showing us here. All right? Jesus taught us how to serve people and the meaning of humility when he washed the disciples' feet. You can't get any more humble than that. I mean, he healed people, he touched people, he changed people's lives, but you can't get any more humble when you take the most menial job that was done in that day and time and you step into that position because he went from one end of the spectrum to the other end of the spectrum when he did this, all right? The Bible tells us, That on one occasion when the disciples were doing what? They were arguing about themselves over who was going to be the greatest in the kingdom with Jesus. When he enters into his kingdom, who's going to be the greatest with him? And you look at these guys that are hand-picked. Jesus picked every single one of them, and they're all in there arguing about who's going to be the greatest in the kingdom. Jesus got up. And he got up from the table without saying a word. He took off his outer garment. He wrapped himself with a towel. And he got down on his knees and he started washing the disciples' dirty, stinky feet. Now let me ask you something. Do y'all have dirty, stinky feet? Huh? Just one for Stephen. The other one doesn't, doesn't have a problem. All right? But you think about your feet. You think about a day of your feet when you've worn socks all day. You haven't been barefooted in the yard, but yet you take them shoes and socks off. And what is it? Man, we got to do something about this, right? Huh? Not Patty. Okay. 
Think about this. Now, get this. I want you to get this picture in your mind about this. Now, think about it. Jesus knew there was a competitive spirit among the disciples because he had handpicked every single one of them. And he, he picked every single one of them that was going to follow him. So he knew he had already looked into their heart. He'd already looked into who they were. He already knew everything there was to know about them, right? Nothing was new to him. Jesus didn't get any surprises here when these people are arguing about who's going to be the greatest in the kingdom because he handpicked every one of them. And we have learned through our studies that Jesus looks straight into the heart when he's looking at people. Now, the setting is pretty straightforward. And it's when I'm looking at this, and I want you to, to get it in your mind with me just like this. Within a few minutes of sitting down around the table, these men started arguing about who's going to be the greatest. Now, you think about this table. We see the picture of the Lord's table, right? Where it's a long table with a spread, and we got Jesus in the middle and all the disciples right around him. You see that? You got that picture? That's a painting, all right? It's a painting. You know how they were at the table? Anybody? They're laying on the floor. They're propped up. They might be on one arm, but their feet are usually stuck out away from the table. They're not sitting in a chair. All right? They're laying down, propped up, usually on one side, but their feet are away from the, the food. Now, is that a good thing to have your dirty, stinky, smelly feet away from the food? Yeah, that's a good idea. Okay, I like that. All right, so, so anyhow, I've heard the phrase, listen to this. When we look at this, the setting is straightforward. I want you to think about it. They're arguing. And I've heard this phrase, sorry, but mom likes me best. Y'all ever heard that? <laughs> Dad likes me best. All right? Mom likes me. Can you see the disciples? And I can just picture it in my, my, my mind when I'm, when I'm thinking that. And the disciples say, sorry, bro, but Jesus likes me best. Y'all ever think about that? Huh? I'm the, I'm the favorite. Sorry. He called me first. All right? I've been with him the longest. I've stayed up with him through the night. I've listened to him pray. I've conversated with him more than anybody else. He pays more attention to me. You see that? Where is, where is that? Humility or pride? Pride. All right? So we're arguing about who's going to be the greatest. It doesn't matter that we're talking about the king of kings, the Lord of lords. He's right here. It doesn't matter who's going to be on his right or his left as long as we all get there. Amen? Huh? That's what we're talking about, all right? So, so sorry, but I, Jesus likes me the best. He called me first. You know, I've stayed up late with him at night. I'm closer than anybody else. I paid closer attention to what he wanted to tell us. And guess what? I'm going to cut off somebody's ear in the future for him, right? All right? Who's that sound like? Okay, all right. It sounds like there's a little bit of pride trying to slip in. And so when pride's trying to slip in, Jesus just says, hey, let's just solve this problem right now. He just gets up out of the table. He gets up, all right? Jesus counteracted any prideful feelings that might be taking place, and he put the disciples in check right there. You know what that means? Put somebody in check? Just check them on it, put them in check. You know, they don't move anymore, all right? So he, he puts them right there in their place, all right? All right, so that's what we're, we're looking at this morning, It was uh, this evening. It's very important we notice that, all right? Try to get this picture in your mind of what is taking place in this evening when Jesus washed the disciples' feet. They're all reclining around the table. Their feet are stretched out. You can imagine what these feet might have smelled like because these individuals had been walking on a dusty, dirty, stinky road, and animals walk on the exact same roads that they walk on, all right? So these animals walk on roads, and what happens to animals when they're walking down the road? They make deposits, 
All right? They leave things for other people to step in, to walk on. So you just got to get an idea of what these feet looked like. And that's what I'm talking about. These weren't just dirty feet. These were smelly, dirty, very unclean parts of their body. All right? So, so wouldn't you have liked to have been there for that moment? Wouldn't you have liked to have been there to see that? Not necessarily to get your feet washed, but to see how Jesus took this by the horn, you know, took, took this under control and settled what was going on, all right? To see the contrast between the arrogant disciples arguing over their prominence to the point of Peter saying, hey, you're not going to wash my feet. I realize what that job is. And you're Jesus. You're the Messiah. You're the one we've been waiting on. You're not about to wash my feet. But then when Jesus looks him straight, where at? He looks probably looked into his eyes, but he looked into his heart. And then Jesus tells him, hey, if, if I don't wash you, you'll have no part of me. And then that changes. When Jesus speaks to you, you know, hanging out with Jesus has got to be a different, different feeling. But when Jesus speaks to you, you say, you know, don't just wash my feet. Wash everything from head to toe because I want to be completely consumed and be part of you. All right? So complete contrast between the arrogance, the pride that was taking place until the humility that Jesus demonstrated. All right? And then no. Uh, all right, so Jesus suddenly stopped. He knelt down. He washed the disciples' feet. Jesus asked the disciples if they understood what he had done. <clears throat> now, that's the question. Do you think they understood what he had done? No, you don't. You think about it. They had no clue why he was doing it to start with. He's showing them a, a, an example. He's giving them a, a very detailed uh, example of, of a role model of humility and they had they, very unlikely that they knew anything about what he was doing all right he told them you're not understand it now but you're gonna understand it right this minute you don't understand it but you're gonna understand it all right they they got way more out of us than just a simple foot washing they got a teaching session that jesus gave them from the master in service and in humility and then we've talked about service ministry that's one of the the key things that we keep talking about I mean, that's what jesus is doing he serves and he he protects and then and he also give an opportunity to show humility all right so jesus explained his actions all right he had given them a lesson in humble servants, and he'd given them an example for them to follow. All right? Imitate me as I imitate who? Christ. That's the Apostle Paul talking about imitate me just like I'm imitating Christ, to be Christ like, to be more like Christ. Jesus wants us to be just like him. The will of God is for us to be more Christ like. All right? The, the world thinks that happiness is a result of others serving us, right? Yes or no? The world thinks that, that, that we should be given, that, that the world should serve us, but that's not what Jesus said. We should serve others, all right? But the real joy comes when we serve others in the name of Jesus. That's when we have the joy that God promises us, all right? Now, when Jesus was finished, he said, as I have done this, you should do what? Also. You got to do it also. I've done it for you. See one, do one, teach one. All right? That's the same thing that we, we do, uh, that we've been working through in our deacon ministry training. See one, do one, teach one. It's what Jesus said. See one. I didn't ask you to help me do it. I did it for you. You see it. You do it. You show somebody else how to do it. That was the way he trained his disciples. That was the, the way when he spent time with them throughout the three years they were with him. He would show them how to minister. He would show them how to, to heal. He would show them how to change lives. And then it was a time when he, they would help him do it. 
And then there come a time when he sent them out on their own to do it. I mean, it's the same process that he's showing now. I showed you how to do it. I showed not simply how to wash somebody's feet, but showed them how to be humble and how to show them what humility is supposed to look like. So we don't have to wash somebody's feet to be successful in doing humility service like Jesus said, but we have to have that attitude that he's talking about, all right? So what is Jesus telling them? He is telling them as a servant, a servant does what? Serves. A servant serves. It's just that easy. And that's what he's showing them. A servant serves. If you want to be at first, the the last shall be first and the first shall be last. All right? Jesus said, I did not come in this world to serve, but to what? To serve. I didn't come in the world to be served, but to serve. All right? The problem with being a servant is that, and some of it takes a great deal of work. I mean, it's hard working being a servant. It takes a lot of work. It takes a lot of dedication. It takes a lot of commitment. It takes a lot of compassion. It takes a lot of enthusiasm. It takes a lot of humility, all right? Serving isn't just a walk in the parks, all right? Serving God has its issues, all right? And if you're going to serve God, you have to have a spirit of humility. Now, look at that second passage of Scripture in Philippians. This is Apostle Paul talking about, all right? All right, who wants to read that? Go ahead. If then there is any encouragement in Christ, if any consolation of love, if any fellowship of the Spirit, if any affection and mercy, make make my joy complete by thinking the same way, having the same love, united in spirit, intent on one purpose. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility consider others as more important than yourself. Everyone should look not to his own interests, Jesus Christ served every single minute that he was on this earth with a humble attitude. He was obedient to the Father who sent him. He was obedient for the purpose that he came for. I mean, and he went straight to the cross with a humble attitude all the way to the cross. All right? He served with a humble attitude with a primary focus of fulfilling the mission that God had placed him here to do. The pre- he came for the purpose of dying. And that's exactly what he came to do. And he came with a humble attitude. His humility exceeds anything that is humanly possible. All right? As he humbly accepted death on the cross, just like the scripture says, to pay for the sins of the world. He did it beyond. It's almost like it's almost totally impossible for us to do it the way Jesus did it. And it is because of who he is. But to be Christ-like means to be striving to do it just like he did it. All right? All right? His humility exceeds anything that is humanly possible, all right? His humility was a direct result of his love for God and his love for people. Now, we look at that last verse of Scripture, Matthew 20, 28. Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. That was his whole purpose for coming. And he didn't come to be served. He didn't come as the King of kings, the Lord of lords, even though he was that indeed. 
That wasn't the purpose that he came. He came to be a sacrificial lamb on a cross for the sins of the world. And that's exactly what he was obedient to. And that was the humility and the humble service that he showed. All right? Throughout his earthly ministry, Jesus displayed the role model of a humble servant. All right? When the focus of Jesus is, uh, while the focus of Jesus was on the cross, his ministry consisted of changing the lives of people through humble service. And he changed life after life after life, day after day after day, but yet he still never lost focus of where he was going, all right? Now, when we humbly serve God's people, we are serving the Lord, and that's the combination. You know, we say we want to serve the Lord. Well, I'm going to serve the Lord. I'm going to serve the Lord. But the thing is, the way to serve the Lord is to serve God's people, to the Lord's people. For instance, ESL on Monday night, serving God's people. That's part of serving the Lord, serving the community at Thanksgiving fellowship. Whether you you fix a dessert or you fix a main course, it doesn't matter. You host them, uh, you're friendly to them, you invite them in, you make sure that they're welcomed. That's all part of serving the Lord because you're serving the Lord's people, all right? Service to the Lord enhances our fellowship with the Lord. And when we serve God's people, we grow closer together. We build relationships. And when we build relationships with each other, that are strong Christian relationships, we build relationships with the Father. All right? Jesus is the Son of God. All right? Yet he took the place of a humble servant. He made a complete change from what he was. He stepped out of heaven in his, all of his deity. But he didn't give up his deity. But yet he left it to come to earth to be a human being, to be a, a non-sinful human being to walk on this earth for a reason, all right? He made a complete shift in what he was to what he came to be. He was a humble servant. He had all things in his hands, look at this, but yet he picked up a towel. I mean, he could have called, he said, I could call a legion of angels to come down here and rescue me if I wanted to. Anything he asked the Father, he would have given him, but yet he picked up a towel. He didn't say, hey, Peter, I want you to pick up that towel and wash the rest of the disciples' feet. I mean, he did exactly what he had at his hands. He had it in his hands, but he picked up a towel. He was the Lord and the Master, yet he served his followers. He was their teacher. He was their rabbi. He was their leader, but yet he was also their servant, all right? All right, true humility grows out of our relationship with our Heavenly Father. If our desire is to know and to do the Father's will so that we might glorify His name, then we'll experience the joy of following Christ's example and serving other people. Now, all right, Jesus served His disciples because of His humility, because of His love that He had for them, and because of His love for the Father. Now, in the Bible it says in John 13, 1, He loved them uh, His own who were in the world, and he loved him to the end. That was the very first verse of Scripture that we talked about, John 13, 1. It says he loved them all the way to the end, all right? Not just a little bit, not just for a couple days, not just for the three years that was he was here. It says in the Bible that he loved them all the way to the end. Now, the secret of humility, right, is, is to pattern our Christian life after the example that Jesus Christ provided for us. If you wanted a secret of humility, it's strictly that. Pattern your life after the role-modeled life that Jesus Christ displayed for us. Amen? There you go. You got the secret of humility. Any questions? Yes, ma'am. Jesus chose each one of his disciples. He did. He chose Judas. He did. At the time he chose Judas, had Satan entered Judas's heart to betray him. And did Jesus know at that time 
that Judas was going to do that. Jesus is all-knowing, so he had to know. Judas was never a believer, so he was a lost sinner from day one. So why did he choose him? Because to fulfill prophecy. Because it had to, he had to fulfill prophecy. But he, was, he knew all along who he was and what his purpose was. But yet he loved him even though, because he loves all people. He loves lost sinners. He died for all people. He died for Judas, all right? Even though Judas' plan through God's plan was going to be to betray him. But that was part of the plan that God had. Okay? All right. He still loved him, though. All right. Any other? Oh, Terry? That's exactly what I said. I wasn't the first one chosen, but he loved me the most. I'm going to be one to write the gospel. You know, must be one of the favorites. Huh? I'm the one he loved. But he loved them all. He showed it equally. I think he loves me. What do you think? You think he loves you more than he loves me? He does that. All right, any other questions before we move into our business meeting? It's important you talk about hate. Okay. And you said that God does not hate anything that he's created. Okay. So he created Satan, which was an angel, and the one that fell with him. And with that came sin. So wouldn't he hate them? He He didn't hate anything he created, but he hated the source of sin. So he hates sin. That's a kind of a that's a delicate question, but I can't think. God doesn't hate anything He created, and He did create Satan as Lucifer. Just as Judas, he knew Judas was going to do that. He knew Judas was going to sin against him. But he didn't hate Judas. If Jesus hated Judas, he would never have been around him. The thing is, he didn't hate Judas. He hated the sin, detest evil. And evil is sin, and that's what the word abhor means, is to passionately hate sin or hate evil. But he doesn't hate, he created them, so he doesn't create them because God, it says in the Bible that, that when God created everything, he said it was good, and not only was it good, but it was very good. So it's kind of like the old saying, hate the sin, not the sinner. He doesn't hate people, and he doesn't hate the, his creation but he, and that was something that I had a hard time with the word hate, because there's no way God hates anything because he's the God of unconditional love. There's nothing we can do to make him love us any more or less. So he can't hate anything. But when you look into that passage of scripture, it's sin that he hates, and it's not anything that he's created that he hates. It's something that he didn't create, and that's sin. Sin is something that Satan created. We're part of it, though. Because he gave it to Adam and Eve, and then it became part of our inheritance. Okay? Anybody else? All 